Sometimes we need a shotgun blast to wake us up, and hopefully MLB Morning Coffee on today, Thursday, February 27th, will be the shotgun blast you need to get your day started. Let's go! Ah, yes. Welcome to episode 10 of MLB Morning Coffee. My name is Greg Mraz, your host as per usual. Hope that you enjoyed the episode with Kyle Banduho yesterday. It was certainly a fun conversation getting into the Minnesota Twins, the AL Central, and some prospect talk. Sorry that this was a little bit late. I wanted to make sure that I got up bright and early to record this today, but last night I was starting to feel a little bit under the weather. I was having issues with a potential cold that's coming on, so hopefully that won't become an issue going forward as we're trying to do this podcast every day except for Sundays. I just needed to take some sleep medicine, some NyQuil, get to sleep, and it just didn't wake me up in time. And I'm still feeling a little bit under the weather today, so if my voice is a little bit different, please forgive me for that. As a usual reminder, write a rating, leave a review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your dogs, tell the local guy down at the grocery store, hey, he might be bored all day and could potentially have something to listen to. Anywho, here is, without further ado, The Daily Grounds. Our first story today is out of Red Sox camp, where Chris Sale is expected to start the season on the injured list, according to manager Ron Renneke. Sale is recovering from flu and pneumonia, and earlier this month, Renneke said that the Red Sox are not going to rush Sale's return. Sale missed the last six weeks of last season with an elbow injury and had by far one of the worst seasons of his career, finishing 6-11 with a 440 ERA and a 1.09 whip in 147 innings. Boston, after winning the World Series with the American League's best record in 2018, finished in third place last year at 84-78, and and after everything happened with the sign-stealing scandal this offseason, fired manager Alex Cora, and punishment on him is still upcoming. It just seems like things are falling further and further apart for the Red Sox, who already traded away their superstar outfielder Mookie Betts. Now with their ace on the shelf, it seems less and less likely that the Red Sox are going to be seen as a competitive team in 2020. This news out of Cubs camp, Cubs left-hander Brad Wick was found to have an abnormal heartbeat during his spring training physical leading to a cardiac ablation earlier this week, that is per Jesse Rogers of ESPN Chicago. Quote, the ablation was successfully performed at Northwestern Hospital in Chicago on Monday, and Brad returned to Arizona on Wednesday, per what a team said in a statement. The Cubs also finished saying Brad will rest in rehab for the next week and be elevated further to establish a timeline for resumption of pitching activities toward the end of next week. He's going to be one of the lefties out of the Cubs' bullpen this year. Last year's split between the Cubs and the Padres. He had a 4-9-7 ERA in 49 games. This is already a Cubs' bullpen that is not that strong, and they don't need somebody to go down with a heart issue to make it any stronger. So... Here's hoping that Wick is healthy and that nothing more serious happens. But for the Cubs, they don't want any more injuries to what is already a pretty thin bullpen that has lost guys such as Carl Edwards Jr. and Steve Ciszek from last season. More injury news, this time out of Cleveland Indians camp as Emmanuel Clace is going to miss 8 to 12 weeks of game activity after an MRI on Wednesday revealed that he had a moderate strain of the terrace major muscle in his upper back. 
The Indians can't seem to escape the black cloud of injuries as they've already lost Mike Clevenger for six to eight weeks due to a partial meniscus tear. The quote from Terry Francona says, you know what, we're actually kind of surprised that it was that length because he wasn't complaining about it very much at all. Obviously, he must be a pretty tough kid. Now the rehab and the way he progresses goes completely on how he's feeling. Clace with a centerpiece in the trade that sent two-time American League Cy Young Award winner Corey Kluber to the Rangers. He's only 21 years old. He'd been doing his regular throwing program, but had not gotten into a spring training game yet or even throw live batting practice at the team's facility in Goodyear, Arizona. I'm feeling some pain in my arm, Clace quoted to MLB.com's Jesse Sanchez in Spanish on Wednesday, something that I have never felt before, but I'm still working hard to get it better and staying positive. It feels a little better each day, but I felt discomfort again yesterday. I don't want to force it. Last year with the Rangers, Clace had a 2.31 ERA in 21 appearances, 21 strikeouts, allowed two homers, walked six, and had a whip of 1.11. Given that you traded away Corey Kluber, your best starter and one of the best starters in the American League for this guy, you need him to perform, even though he's in a reliever capacity and not as a starter. I don't necessarily know what the Indians are doing because a lot of people figure that they were still in the window to compete and that they decided to just tear their own team apart. I don't know what's going to happen to the Indians in 2020. If they compete, that's great for them. If they don't, then I think that that's pretty much the end of the modern era competitive Cleveland Indians. And now to news about umpires. Major League Baseball appointed Kerwin Danley as its first African-American crew chief and Alfonso Marquez as its first Latino crew chief. This is the first time that minority crew chiefs have been a part of Major League Baseball's umpiring crew. Now the crew chief is somebody that runs the crew of the four umpires that travel around from series to series and they rotate and they travel around all of the bases. As games in the series progress, Dan Iasonia and Jim Reynolds were also promoted to big league crew chiefs and Ramon De Jesus, who was a fill-in umpire back in 2016 in the minor leagues, he's going to become the first Dominican-born MLB umpire. So good news for all of these guys. It is really nice, and we hope that umpiring is a positive in 2020 because certainly after everything that has gone on with the sign-stealing scandal and players just feeling generally upset, Let's just have the umpires do their job and do it well. Our final story on the Daily Grounds today, Tim Tebow is going to play for the Philippines in the World Baseball Classic Qualifier. Tebow was actually born in the Philippines where his parents were Christian missionaries and he lived there until he was five years old before moving back to the United States. Tebow is entering his fourth season in minor league baseball and his fourth in the New York Mets organization. After a really rocky start to his pro baseball career in 2017. Tebow had a really solid year in 2018, spending 84 games at AA Binghamton. He hit a career best 273 with six home runs and 36 runs driven in. He did strike out 103 times in 271 at-bats, but this past year with the Syracuse Mets, the AAA affiliate of the New York Mets, He hit 163 in 77 games. He struck out 98 times in 239 at-bats. He had an on-base of just 240. Tebow really struggled at the AAA level this year, and while it's great that he's going to get a chance to play in the WBC qualifier, I just don't know what his future is going to be in baseball if he has another year like that this year. 
That has been the Daily Grounds for Thursday, February 27th, 2020. So the main topic of today's show, and understandable at that, is the news that Yankees starter Luis Severino is done for the year and more than likely all of next year due to Tommy John surgery. It was revealed that he tore his UCL, which was initially reported as forearm soreness, and the Yankees are now down two of their five starters. James Paxton is not going to make his debut until June because of surgery to remove a cyst. And Paxton, this was known a while back, and everybody in Yankees camp knew that he was going to be out for the first two months at the minimum. So now you lose Luis Severino, a guy that burst onto the scene as your ace in 2017, another huge piece to your success in 2018, not much of a piece to your success in 2019 because of injury, and now when you need him, after already knowing what the injury was to James Paxton, he's done for the year as well. So the balance of power in the American League has just changed, and it has just changed the Tampa Bay Rays, who have a much deeper pitching rotation than the New York Yankees. The Yankees are going to have to rely on Garrett Cole, to win them a majority of his starts. They paid him nine years and $324 million to be the guy that, quite frankly, he may never live up to. How do you live up to a nine-year, $324 million contract? What is the judgment level of success when it comes to a deal of that scale? I don't think anybody actually really knows. But now... You had a rotation that was supposed to be James Paxton, Garrett Cole, Masahiro Tanaka, Luis Severino, and for the sake of argument, more than likely, J.A. Happ. You had other options such as Luis Sessa and Jordan Montgomery that were going to be parts of your rotation throughout the year whether you wanted them to be or not. Now Paxton is gone for the first two months and Severino is gone for the entire year. What does this mean? It is heartbreak for the New York Yankees, a franchise that emotionally took a gut punch in the offseason after all of the news of what happened with the Astros in 2017 and 2019, feeling like they got cheated out of potential World Series appearances and for Aaron Judge out of a potential MVP award. So now you're going to have to go into this season with Cole as your ace, and a much lesser supporting cast because you don't have that many options. You paid the money to have the rotation that was set on paper going into spring training, and in the span of not much time, that plan has completely fallen apart through no fault of your own. So where does this leave the Yankees? It does not leave them as a front runner anymore, because they don't have the same rotation depth that everybody knew was going to be their strength coming into the season. Paxton still could come back and have a really good year, and Masahiro Tanaka could still prove to be the elite pitcher that they signed all the way back in 2014, and Garrett Cole will more than likely have a season that is of standard for what we've come to expect for Garrett Cole. But I don't know how having two key starting pitchers, 
two guys that you knew were going to be the linchpin for your success, having those guys out, how is that going to change what you do as a team? It's going to change it a lot. You're going to have to have guys like Luis Sessa and Jordan Montgomery step into roles that they weren't necessarily expecting coming into the year. If the Yankees win the division, it is because the guys that had to step into those four and five starter roles stepped up in a huge way. Because look at the Yankees rotation now. Cole, your unquestioned ace. Your number two was more than likely going to be Paxton. Your number three was more than likely going to be Severino. Now your number two is Masahiro Tanaka. Your number three, at least until Paxton gets back, is going to be J.A. Happ. Then it's Jordan Montgomery, and then probably Luis Sessa. Maybe you find somebody else on the free agent market. Our previous episode, if you didn't have a chance to go listen to it, go listen to it at MLB Morning Coffee on Apple Podcasts. There are guys out there like a Matt Harvey that could potentially be an asset for you. Now, Luis Sessa, who we brought up, has mainly been a bullpen guy the last few years. He has made some starts here and there, but I believe it's worth converting him into a starter if you're going to want to get the most out of your starting rotation this year. Jonathan Loisica is another good internal option, and those two guys are probably your best internal options to fill out a five-man rotation. We know the New York Yankees. They've got the money to spend, and they understand what their window is at this point. They've got a roster that can compete at the highest level if healthy. I do think it's very sad, and I think it's very telling, that two guys that they developed internally and they gave long-term extensions to, Aaron Hicks and Luis Severino, one a position player, one a pitcher, both needed Tommy John surgery. And that is insanely sad because you don't want to see that happen to anybody. They're both going to come back, and Hicks is already back, healthier than they were before. That's somewhat how the Tommy John surgery works. But for now and for the immediate future, the Yankees are in quite a bind. And they may be able to survive the first three months of the year with what they have already. But I guarantee you, if James Paxton is not healthy and does not come back the way that they expect him to, the Yankees will make a move at the deadline. It's just a matter of whether or not that move is going to end up being too late. So who is even going to be out there? I'll give you one guy, Jeff Samarja. Samarja is somebody that eats up a lot of innings. He's going to have an ERA of around four and a half or so, but he'll get the job done. And in the last year of his contract, I don't think the San Francisco Giants are going to be that averse to trading him if they can get some value back for him. Jeff Samarja is going to be a good temporary solution to this problem. But it also raises the problem given his health concerns from last year and now obviously right now, what the long-term viability of Luis Severino is. You signed him to a long-term extension, you're going to have to ride him out through the length of his contract and hope that he's as effective as he was back in 2017 when he was one of the best young pitchers in the American League. We don't know that. We have no method of knowing that. But given all of the surrounding attention that came with what the Yankees rotation is going to look like, this is a gigantic hit. 
The Tampa Bay Rays have got Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, Brent Honeywell, and a bunch of homegrown guys, Tyler Glasnow, I keep forgetting about Tyler Glasnow, that are going to navigate themselves through this season. And I, right now, give the Rays a better chance of having a more effective pitching staff than the Yankees, just because the Rays are healthy, they've got young guys that have proven that they can win at the big league level, and the Yankees have an elite starter, probably the most elite starter in all of baseball, a veteran that at his best is really good, and at his worst is a guy that more than likely is going to give up at least four runs over five innings, Masahiro Tanaka, a veteran in J.A. Happ that has been what exactly you think of J.A. Happ is, a journeyman veteran that's going to be a solid five-level starter. Jordan Montgomery, who was a part of the Yankees rotation in 2017, hasn't been a regular part of the Yankees rotation for the past two seasons, and now is going to be a part of the rotation for the foreseeable future. I don't think it looks good for the Yankees unless they can find a way to outscore everybody. And if Paxton comes back healthy and they can acquire a piece at the deadline, they're going to be okay. But for right now, seeing Luis Severino, somebody that you relied upon to be your two, possibly on the low end, your three starter, it's extremely concerning. It's a piece of news that makes you think, has our entire season been thrown into flux? I think in some ways it has, because you've got two starting pitchers out for the first two months of the year. You're talking about, give or take, 60, okay, maybe not 60, 55 games. 55 games in the grand scheme of a pennant race is going to make a whole world of difference. If you're the Yankees, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You have to make another move for somebody that's going to help you compete now because you have a lineup with guys like Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton and Glaber Torres and Gary Sanchez and others that are ready to win an American League title now, and you can't hold that group back by the fact that you don't have an adequate pitching staff to compete for an AL title. The Astros still do. They've got Verlander. They've got Zach Greinke. They're going to find guys through their system that are going to be able to be effective three, four, and five starting pitchers. The Yankees don't have that. So the Yankees are going to have to go out and get somebody. Can they get somebody that's going to be able to find that replacement level type guy for Luis Severino? Probably not. Can they find a guy that's going to help them compete for an AL Eastern Division title? 1,000% they can. It won't be that hard to find somebody that can slide into the role of a four or five starter. And if Garrett Cole is as good as advertised and Masahiro Tanaka can have a sub-4 ERA, at least for now they're going to be all right. And if James Paxton comes back and feels like he can pitch the last four months of the season, that in itself is going to be all right. The Yankees, though, don't need any more pieces of bad news coming down their pipe. They're in rough shape, no question about it. They're nowhere near where they want to be at this point and losing one of your top starters and a guy that's a foundation piece for years to come isn't very comforting, but the Yankees have enough talent to where they feel like all will be okay for now. 
Now, Severino's gone for the year. If they can get James Paxton back in a reasonable period, they'll be all right. But the scope of today's news is this. The American League is going to be more wide open than we thought it is. I expect the Rays to compete. I expect the A's to compete. I expect the Twins to win their division again. I expect the White Sox to compete for a wild card. And I expect the Red Sox, through all of their strife and tribulation, to have a solid season. I expect the Astros to play well, and they may even win the division, but I don't expect them to have the frame of mind that is going to convince them that they have a chance to win a World Series title. I think that they're shell-shocked right now, and it's going to take one more individual in particular to help get them over the top, as it would with Pretty much anybody, I feel like. This story still has a lot of elements to it to play out, but if we know anything, it's that the New York Yankees will pull off some sort of surprise move that will shock us all. The key is whether or not that move is going to have the impact that it will take to get the Yankees over the top and back into the World Series for the first time since 2009. For Severino, we wish all the best in his recovery and that a star that is budding will soon return to that ascension very soon. This has been MLB Morning Coffee, a daily MLB podcast. We invite you to go back, listen to all of our other episodes, write a review, leave a rating, subscribe. Check out our conversation that we had yesterday with Kyle Banduho about the Minnesota Twins and what he expects from them this upcoming season. Go check out some of our prior episodes where we talk about some of the unsigned free agents, why Aubrey Huff has no place in the game of baseball, and lots and lots on the Astros sign-stealing scandal. This has been MLB Morning Coffee for Thursday, February 27th, 2020. My name is Greg Moraz. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the AM.